Welcome to the Digital Rapport Podcast, where you discover how to connect, influence, and persuade in the digital age. What is mind? What is consciousness? What is thought? How does the brain create and understand these things? Does the brain transmit and receive random meaning based off our own preconceived notions or does it process the bombardment of data on the five senses into something truly meaningful? Newton's first law states that every object will remain at rest or in uniform motion in a straight line unless compelled to change its state by the action of an external force. Could this be true for thoughts, feelings and emotions too? The ancients say that when we get out of our own way and go with the feeling and flow, we bypass conditioning and become present to the moment. Maybe this is a balance of perceptions. They say in this state of equilibrium, judgments fall away, illusions are shattered, and all that is left is right now, a balanced perception and a cleaner connection with others. Join me on this journey as we talk to leading UK personal growth expert, life coach and three principles practitioner David Key as he shares how your thoughts and feelings can influence your connection and rapport with others. Hi, I'm Jitinder Palaha and welcome to another Digital Rapport Master Series and today I have David Key who is one of UK's top personal development experts. So Dev Key, welcome. Thank, Thank you very you. much for allowing us to come to your house and spend time with you to interview. You're welcome. Um, if you would just like to let the viewers know a bit about yourself. I moved into the world of personal development, coaching, um, hypnosis, neuro-linguistic programming, and a new understanding in psychology, which I've been teaching for a number of years now. So I've been in the industry, I, I, I left the IT industry and um, having worked in that industry for around 15 years and moved into personal development when I decided that's it, I've had enough of the corporate world. And so you could say for nearly three decades, um, I've been passionate and studying how I can teach people now to make a difference to other people's lives. So the, the problems that human beings have, mm. connecting with other people, perhaps in a relationship context, overcoming challenges mm -hmm. like anxiety issues, like post-traumatic stress, conflict at work, right. leadership challenges. So it's an eclectic mix of human problems that I teach other coaches, other people helpers, doctors, dentists, mm -hmm. sports coaches, how to get the best out of other people. Sure. And that's my passion, that's what I do. We have around 40,000 students doing my programs around the world. And uh, I'm, I'm honoured that you're here. I, I'm, I was when you phoned me up to say that I want to come and interview. I was like, what have I got to share? You know. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully, in this conversation, you can yeah. find something in there that might be useful for the people watching this video. No, no, absolutely. I mean, one one of the reasons um, I wanted to meet up with you uh, was because of the, I saw all the work that you were doing and 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 the kind of reach you've had and the successes you've had with like the Groupon side of things and yeah. your training generally, yeah. and um, because you've been in the industry for such a long time, I thought it would just be perfect to get your experience so that you could share it with uh, the viewers, at, um, you know, around the whole kind of personal development field. Um, I think one of the main like questions that, that uh, I have is about the topic of rapport. Mm. So as a kind of general thing, what would you say is rapport? Cool. 
rapport's a feeling. If I was going to put it in one word or two words or a few, even a sentence, it's a feeling. Mm -hmm. It's a feeling of connection that we have with another human being, whether it be with our children and we're just in a loving feeling and getting on with them and we're not thinking about ourselves or them. It's just we're having fun and playing. Whether it be me and you yeah. hanging out together and having a conversation and just feel like we're mates, that right. we've known each other for a while. Now, we've met each other. Um, but for me, rapport is just that connection mm -hmm. where you feel comfortable with somebody else. Yeah. Whether that be feeling comfortable with somebody else face to face or your mission is to help people um, get rapport on camera through the written word. Yeah. Um, through their website, their branding, and so many other aspects too. That's right, yeah. So, you know, rapport is, is simple. Mm -hmm. If I was to ask everybody watching this video, or you, or the cameraman, or any of my friends, or people that I know that I bump into on a daily, daily basis, have you got any friends? Yep. Have you got any friends? <laughs> They'll say, yeah. Mm. So everybody has rapport in some way with the people that they care about mm -hmm. most of the time. But there are days when we don't have rapport with the people that we care about. Yep. When we lose rapport with our children, our partner, when we lose rapport with a boss or our clients. So rapport for me is, uh, uh, can be simplified down into when you're in a good feeling and the other person's in a good feeling and there's a connection. For me, that's what rapport is. Right. And it's very invisible. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of external physiological, so body language, yeah. and there are a lot of um, tonal sounds um, that can give away whether or not you're in rapport. Those are the intricacies if we were to break rapport down. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it's just a connection. Uh, just a connection. A good feeling. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, one of the things with rapport is that it can be used across different aspects of life you know mm. it comes from my understanding of it comes in pretty much everything we do mm. when when you like meet someone for the first time yeah how do you think you can build up that rapport with someone how can you start sure. to initiate that connection with someone okay. what you know sure well you know for years and years and years I, I, i've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming nlp coaching the variety of different models that are out there mm -hmm. and i've been teaching hypnosis all the way up to teaching and training trainers to help and train master hypnotists, therapists and practitioners of hypnosis. So looking at the history of hypnosis, I was saying to you earlier, if we were to look at the, the library here and um, see the books that I've got, yeah. if I were to pick my top 17 books going back two to 300 years on hypnosis from the work of Anton Mesmer all the way up to Bonday teachers like myself, you will see there's a theme running through every single one of those books. Mm -hmm. And it talks about en rapport, the French for in rapport. Right. And they were saying that you couldn't get the best out of a client. You can't get the best out of a coaching situation in two people unless you're in rapport, unless mm -hmm. you have that rapport. It's also a form of trance. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a state like feeling where there's not a lot on your mind. Mm -hmm. So in the old days, I would teach people techniques. Right strategies mm. for getting rapport with somebody that they're not in rapport with. So I think the first thing for people to perhaps consider is that rapport is something that we do mm -hmm. and we do it unconsciously. It's certain behaviors. Um, 
So when we're not in rapport, that's the time to use the skills. Mm. I don't feel I'm in rapport with someone, so I need to maybe pace their breathing, match their body language, um, pace their energy and their feeling. The problem with that is it gives a lot of thinking to people, mm. a lot on their mind. It's almost like, oh, I've got to do this and I now need yeah. to do that. So if I were to simplify that for people, for me, rapport is when you're not thinking about yourself. Mm. When all that insecurity is about, how am I doing? Am I, am I in rapport with them? Am I getting on all right with you right mm -hmm. now? Um, if I'm stuck in my thinking and concerned about myself and my feelings and whether you like me or not, or mm -hmm. whether they like me or not, that's extenuous thinking. That's extra thinking that you don't need. Yeah. So it seems to me when people aren't in rapport, they're really just in a, a feeling that is perhaps defined by maybe a little bit of insecurity. Okay. And that insecurity is coming from the person's thinking. Mm. So I, l like, I like to educate my clients now to sort of say, you know, if you can show up you, be you, mm -hmm. and not try to be somebody you're not, and just talk from your own understanding about what you know, Yeah. then you're authentic. And when you're in a state and a feeling of authenticity, then people will be drawn to you. Mm. Whereas if you're inauthentic, it's like, oh, I need to cross my arms now because mm -hmm. he crossed his arms. I yeah. need to scratch my eye because they scratched their eye. Oh, they just use the word tickle in that tone of voice. I must match that word mm. back. It creates, a lot of effort. Distraction, kind of. Distractions. Yeah. It takes you out of a good feeling. And then you can lose rapport because of that. Mm. So it's almost like counterintuitive. It's almost like, hold on a second, Dave. You teach us to pace the breathing and match the physiology. And I would say now, that was built on sand, that model. Right. That house of rapport was built on sand, flaky foundations. Mm. So understanding your own psychology. Yeah when you understand where your experience is coming from, then when you're with someone for the first time and you feel like you're not in rapport, yeah. you've got an uncomfortable feeling, it's just coming from you mm. and not from the other the others, person. Yeah. And then you can let that thinking just pass on by because a lot of people haven't caught on to the fact innocently that thoughts that they have that's causing the feelings of insecurity are transient. Mm. Transient being, they float in like bubbles, yeah. thoughts of insecurity. Oh my God, they don't like me. The boss, <laughs> the boss is going to have a go at me and I need to have rapport with him and I don't know what to do. Mm. If that was the internal dialogue someone was having. Yeah, yeah. Um, if they don't understand that that feeling is coming from inside of them and has nothing to do with the external circumstances, yeah. they're going to get a little bit freaked out by mm. it and a little bit insecure. And then they're going to go, what do I need to do to get rapport? Drop that th thinking. Mm. You drop that thinking about yourself. Put your energy out and be present mm. with the other person. Yep. You'll have a better connection. Yeah. That's just the way it works. Yeah, yeah. Now, I was just going to say that when you, when you were explaining that, that um, it, it looks like when, when somebody's in that situation, they're talking to someone, there's a lot of, the internal dialogue that's going on and mm. that's the noise within themselves. Mm. But 
if you've got the noise going on inside your head, you're not really seeing the other person kind of thing, right? You're not, you know, making the effort to do that. So the, the point you bring about present mm. is, is, is key here because um, it, it means that you, you, you have to almost ground yourself mm. in that moment mm. in order to, to open the space, I suppose, to be able to connect with someone. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is about creating a space that two people can step into. And for, for me, rapport is like a dance. Mm. Okay, and it should feel good, right. like a dance. Yep. And when you're dancing in harmony with your partner, whether it's the foxtrot or you're just like freestyling on the, in a nightclub, yep. when you're getting on and you're dancing, it's a fluid movement. Mm-hmm. It's not, um, oh, they've done, moved, I better move mine. And, and there's not, if they're thinking about it, you're going to tread on the other person's toes yep. when you're dancing. Yep. So for, for me, a rapport is a natural fluid exchange of emotions and feelings and words and if you're not present Mm -hmm. if you're in your head i mean the word present sort of pretty much explains it we've got now which is the present moment Mm. so being present is what so many people aren't yeah they're already thinking in their head what's the next question i'm going to ask that person so there's a noise in their head yeah well how can you hear something that someone's saying that might be really powerful and, and, and relevant and beautiful and poignant in the moment if you've got noise. It's yeah. like trying to listen to a beautiful song in the radio when it's not tuned in properly. Mm-hmm. So as human beings, if we are not tuned in, we're not present, and yeah. we're in the past, oh God, this didn't work out last time I met this person, and yeah. in our insecure feelings, yeah. we're not present. If we're in the future, oh God, if I get rapport with this person, I might get some contract or some deal or make some money out of it or get something from the relationship. We're in the future in our head. Well, there is no future. Yeah. And there is no past. We only have this present moment. That's right, yeah. But we get lost in thought Mm. innocently. Human beings do it all the time. It's just the way it works. Mm. Now, when we quiet our mind and don't have a lot of noise in there, that's when wisdom comes in that's when there's this uh, opportunity to hear new thought new ideas mm. as opposed to not hearing what someone's saying and already determine what you're going to respond to to a question they asked two moments ago yeah. whilst they're giving you some more information that might be useful yeah that will break rapport people feel it when you're not present i mean um, my wife is an excellent example of someone who isn't trained in this field but has exquisite rapport with the children our children and there's moments in our past it doesn't happen now but when i first got involved in this arena was um that she would say stuff to me and she said you're not listening to me right you're not here Mm. hear what i'm saying and i needed to be present so she wouldn't get a good feeling if i was saying yeah i'm listening i'm listening but i wasn't really listening it was like I'd hear noise. Okay. And she'd be asking me for some help or doing something. Because I wasn't present, Yeah. I didn't have rapport. Mm. Even though I was probably in the same physiology as her, yeah, yeah. maybe matching a language, but that was very much uh, intellectual, in-my-head type of rapport mm. as opposed to just connecting with someone. Right, right, right. And that, yeah. that means that you've got to almost learn to dial out all that other thinking about yeah. what you've got to do tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Or the emails that you didn't respond to or yeah. the phone call you didn't make or 
oh, it's this time of year. Maybe tax returns are going to mm. be, oh, I'm trying to have a conversation with you. And if I'm thinking about all that stuff, how on earth are we going to connect? Yeah, how exactly. on earth is anyone going to connect with anyone else yeah. if that's up there? Mm. So one of, one of the things you mentioned there was this thing about listening then. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's almost like you're saying it's a form of getting present and then listening to the other person. Yeah. So that listening process, how um, important is that part of it to help in that rapport situation? I think it's probably one of the most important aspects. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you why. Because there's two types of listening. There's listening with your intellect, there's listening with your everything that you know already, your little personal database of experiences in life. Yep. And when we listen with our intellect, information comes in mm -hmm. okay, and you hear something that you understand because you go in your database and go, oh, I know what he's saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so for example, you uh, mentioned what inspired you to do this was yep. one of my per first books on personal development by Napoleon Hill. That's right. Yeah. Think and Grow Rich. Yep. Now, to give you that example, to finish the analogy off, um, if I've read Think and Grow Rich and it's in my personal intellectual database mm. of experiences, you mentioned the word Napoleon Hill, I in instantly go to my database and go, oh yes, I know that. And then I'm starting to think about what I already know yep. and I'm missing. Yeah. I'm missing listening to something else that might be impactful, relevant. Yeah. So there's listening with your intellect and, and, and trying to understand what someone's saying by comparing what they're saying with what you already know mm. and getting lost in that. Mm. And then there's listening with nothing on your mind. Yeah. Nothing on your mind. Mm -hmm. If you can listen with nothing on your mind, then you're going to connect more. Yeah. You're going to connect at a deeper level. So. And it's listening for a feeling. Okay. Now that's really difficult to describe, uh, to give a commute technique, Dave, <laughs> listening to the feeling. Um, or seeing something new come into your mind that might be useful in that conversation, yeah. in that interaction with other people. So I can only liken it to a metaphor that I have. I used to think I was a good listener. Mm -hmm. I used to pay attention to every single word. Um, I'd sit forward and, uh, and be associated into the experience and nod my head when yeah. they said something. <laughs> but that wasn't really listening. That was using my intellect. Mm. And I think to contribute in a way that's more impactful when you're coaching or you're interacting with other people, it's to listen to, for wisdom. Mm. Now, wisdom you can't see, and it doesn't come from your experiences. It comes in the form of a new thought, a new idea. Right. So, I'll give you an analogy. Albert Einstein came up with the theory of relativity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It wasn't in his database. Because if it was, he would have already discovered already, right. the theory of relativity. Yeah, yeah. It came as an idea. Mm. It came as a new thought. Yeah. And it came through him. Yeah. In the form of a, a vision. Mm-hmm. Um, which translated into E equals MC squared, which yep. was the you know, theory of relativity. But it was a new thought. It was wisdom that touched him. He mm. came in and it was like, oh, now everybody's experienced that. Yeah, yeah. They've had an idea about something that they hadn't had before. Mm. That's wisdom. So how do you do that? Well, it's really difficult. Mm -hmm. But for example, if we were having a conversation or any of the listeners were having a conversation and they felt they weren't in rapport, the best way to get back in a rapport is to quiet your mind mm. 
and just listen out for something that's useful in terms of a response. Sure. Now, how, how do you do that? Well, I'm going to give a metaphor and I hope it, it, it is helpful. For years and years and years, I used to be thinking of the next question before the person had even mm -hmm. finished. Like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. so there you go. So I'd be thinking of that. Yeah. And I'd miss the point mm -hmm. of what they were trying to communicate. So I sort of that fell away when I saw that trying to find the question when you is like going to butterfly world running after butterflies with a net trying to catch them. Mm. You're not going to mm. catch them if they're all up there and you're trying to run around. And after an hour trying to catch butterflies, you could get really frustrated because mm -hmm. you haven't got the right question. Yeah. Let's say the butterflies are thought. Mm -hmm. If you settle your mind, would be a liken to going into butterfly world and going, shh, and waiting. Mm. And one will come and land on your shoulder eventually or on your hand. They'll come to you. So wisdom comes to you, you can't chase after mm. it. So you'll know what to ask me if that thinking just falls away. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the time we want to in an interaction as human beings, innocently, we, we don't want to feel like we don't know how to respond. What if I ask a silly question mm -hmm. and it's not the right one? So really what's behind that is just some other thinking. Yeah. And sometimes we would say it might be a human a thought that has insecurity attached to it, an right. uncomfortable feeling, a feeling of not knowing, or a concern or worry. But I can assure everybody watching this, if they can settle their mind down, they'll always know what to do. Mm. They'll always know what to ask. Even if it is, I really have no idea what to ask you right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here's an idea. And that's when the butterfly would land on your shoulder. And that's wisdom. And, and that can't really be taught. That can only be learnt from looking in that direction. Mm -hmm. now, that makes sense. It's, it's really interesting when you're talking about the, the, the concept of listening yeah. and how... Uh, listening for from um, the, the kind of intellect side where we think we know what's kind of coming yeah. as opposed to you know just being present and taking yeah. it on board you, using that kind of concept do you think that um, because obviously we were digital report one of the things we're looking at is how you build that report online you know mm -hmm. and and what a lot of businesses and people do is that they have an idea or a product or a service they put it out there thinking that they know what their target audience wants so they're putting their kind of projected listening, mm. if, if that, mm. in a way, mm. if that makes sense, onto the audience, but it's not necessarily what the audience needs. So in that kind of context, would you say that listening is also a, a kind of a, another general approach to kind of knowing and understanding the person? I think you get to know and understand the person when you're in their presence mm. and you're just present. Yeah. And then in time, you'll get a sense of who they are as sure. I'm developing, hopefully, an understanding of, of uh, this interaction, mm -hmm. this, this conversation, as much as hopefully you're doing the same yeah. with me at some level. But, you know, when I first went online I, to, um, to, to share with the people who might not know, I, I wanted to appeal and reach out to more people. In the first seven or eight years of my business, I'd worked with, say, a thousand individuals mm -hmm. from around the UK, but predominantly in the area that I, my business is based. Yep. And then uh, I decided that I wanted to take that online. Mm -hmm. 
So um, I found a route to market and we're sitting here with 40,000 students and we were about to get exposure to about 11 million other people through the uh, variety of relationships that we have with yeah. other businesses. And the reason I share that is because when I first started, I was asked to create a video. Mm-hmm. And all my uh, experience on uh, speaking on camera was not, there wasn't any. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was used to presenting on stage and, and, and having, um, talking at events and stuff in f- front of live audiences, yeah. but never on camera. Mm-hmm. So I hired a guy that taught me how to do it. And the reason being, he was offering a free critique okay. of, vi- of anyone's video that they wanted to put online. This was about five, six, six years ago. Right. And, uh, I never really believed or got the uh, an understanding that presenting on stage was different to camera, mm. but it, it really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or so I thought mm-hmm. at the time. Right. So I had this guy and he worked for QVC and okay. he taught Tony Robbins, Paul McKenna and many other uh, successful uh, TV presenters. And I wanted to learn and get the distinctions between rapport with a group in the live room yeah and rapport with a camera, mm. which is totally different. Yeah. And um, he said, can you send me a two minute video? So I got my iPhone and I put it on a tripod and I did a little two minute video and I sent it off to him. And I got a 45 minute review back right. from him saying that I'd lost 97% of my audience in the first three seconds of my video. I was mm. like, this is crazy. Right. I don't want to do that. I yeah. want people to be engaged to draw them out. So I really had to study my art Mm. um, with uh, someone who had a thin slice of expertise in that field. Mm. So um, again, it was the insecurities that I had on camera that I had to deal with. Not, you know, some of the technical skills that do you look above the camera, look below the camera? How do you look at the camera? Mm. Um, They were skills that I needed to learn as everybody would need to learn. But the fundamental psychology behind what was stopping me projecting onto camera was me. Right. And I needed to understand that. And I think everybody would benefit from understanding where they get their experience from. Mm -hmm. So whether it be speaking on camera and having rapport with a camera by getting over yourself. Mm. If I could give a bit of advice to people, and that's what was told, he said to me, he said, you really need to learn to get over yourself, Dave. Right. I said, what do you mean? He said, they're going to be people that really don't like you on camera. Okay. And you can't appeal to everybody's yeah. perceptions of reality, of their experience. Like, and he gave me a really good example. He talked about a lady in the UK, um, Jordan. Okay. Um, I think it's her stage name, Katie Price. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. Katie Price. Okay. Yep. And he asked me this question. He said... Um, Oh, by the way, nothing against Katie Price here. He said, is she your cup of tea? Do you like her? Do you follow her on Twitter? Mm-hmm. And do you follow her on Facebook? And do you read her material? And she writes articles in some of the red top uh, newspapers. I said, not really. I've seen her on telly. It's not my cup of tea. Mm. Yeah. And he went, right. He said, do you know how many people really don't like her work? Mm-hmm. I went, I've got no idea. He went, millions. Right. He said, do you know how many people like her work? I went, what do you mean? like her I said I don't know he said she has millions of followers millions of people love her yeah and millions of people don't she's like Marmite Mm. okay Mm. I said well what's the relevance of the point he said well if you try and uh, 
please everybody yeah in that eclectic mix of human beings on this planet there are going to be people that think you're like mom like they'll love you or they mm. hate you but if you try and appeal to everybody yeah you're really not going to do so good right so he, he he said get over yourself because you're going to have to start to realize that there are going to be a group of people that don't like your work. Mm. They don't like your sound, what you wear, where you ha whether you got I got a lazy eye, um, whether my voice is irritating to somebody, whether what I'm saying they think is a load of rubbish. Mm. There's going to be a group of those individuals. Yeah. Then there's going to be the group that really don't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're not interested in what we're talking about. And then there's going to be your raving fans. Yeah. So really, I think is when you get over yourself. And when you realize that, oh, well, there's nothing I can do to get people to like me. Mm. Um, and actually, if you can get to the point where it doesn't matter whether you have people liking you or not, and yeah. whether you get to the point where you don't really care. Mm -hmm. Not in a, oh, I don't care ego sort of way. Just like, oh, I don't care that people don't like me because that's the way it works. Yeah. And if people were watching this video now, it's, I'd ask them this question. How many of you watching this video have had a judgmental thought about somebody else? Mm. And the answer probably will be 100% of the people watching at some point in their lives have had a thought come in that had judgment attached to it. Mm. I don't like Katie Price, or I don't like Donald Trump, or I don't like Theresa May, or I love Theresa May, or I love Donald Trump. And here, here's an example. In America, uh, Donald Trump's, in fact, um, I don't know, by the time people are watching this, he might not be president, but let's just, <laughs> let's just assume he still is when this goes out and he's just becoming president. Half of America were really depressed that he became president, yeah. or he's becoming president, and half of America really happy mm. and celebrating. Well, it can't be Donald Trump that made half of America unhappy and half of them sa mm. ha uh, sad. How is that possible that one individual, by speaking on camera, in the newspapers, with his his own version of authenticity yeah. how can he have decided which individuals were going to like him and didn't mm, like him they decided yeah. themselves here's the other thing this is the illusion that we live in they think the people that are happy think donald made them happy because mm. he won the presidency mm. and a lot of human beings who are upset with donald get donald trump getting uh, becoming prime minister think that donald trump has made them feel bad mm. It's impossible. It yeah. doesn't work that way. It's not logical. What's really happening is the people who are feeling happy about Donald Trump becoming president of the United States of America have gone into the future in their mind, mm. imagined everything being beautiful and great with yeah. him as president, brought that feeling from the future back into their body in mm. the present moment, and went, this feels good, and Donald made me feel that way. Mm. No, he didn't. You made yourself feel that way with your thinking in the future and imagining possibilities of whatever they're thinking mm. of. Now, the people who feel bummed out that he's going to be president, all they're doing is exactly the same that people like it, but they're doing it in a different yeah. way. They're going into the future and imagining it terrible and a big wall around America and, you know, you name it. They're thinking unpleasant thoughts, bringing those feelings from this imaginary future because no one knows what, how it's going to be. Yeah. And making themselves feel bad in the moment. Mm. So rapport is the same thing. Yeah. If you get lost in a conversation with someone, you've lost rapport, it's probably because you've brought back a feeling from the future or the past and you're stirring up your emotions and you've lost that connection. Yep. That's all that's going on. Yeah, yeah. If you can see that's true, 
Mm. You don't need to freak out anymore. Yeah, yeah. And worry about people judging because everyone will. That's right. And here's the other good news. Nobody who, everybody who has these judgmental thoughts, that's 7 billion people on the planet at some point in time, none of them ask for those judgmental thoughts to come in. Mm. So you don't have to worry about it. They're going to come in. Yep. It's whether you act on them or not. That's right, yeah. If you let them float by like a bubble out of a bubble machine, yeah. you'll be more present. Yeah. That's, that's, it's interesting you say that because there's two, two things that are coming out from there. One is to do with like almost the kind of niche market, if you want to call it, or target. But in, 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 in kind of parallel to that conversation is that whole thing about the feelings and the emotions that people are creating, right? And it almost seems that if you compare the two together, either targeting a particular niche or whether appealing to those feelings and emotions kind of thing, you can almost like pitch yourself in a way, right? Because it would, taking the example of Donald Trump, mm. that's kind of what's happening there, isn't it? Because I would imagine that he was kind of a targeting, you know, a, a kind of avatar or demographic or something yeah. to get the votes. Yeah. But the, like you said, the feelings and the emotions created were not, it, it, nothing to do with him really it's to do yeah. with what the person's kind of visualized yeah he was seen. the trigger yeah he was the trigger and he'll have a, a team of individuals behind him that will be advising him on the language for him t- that he needs mm. to use and how he can stir up the insecurities in those individuals in order for them to vote for him mm. people are motivated by pain yeah as well as they're motivated by carrots and some to some are motivated with a stick yeah a bit of push and a bit of pull. All human beings can, because of suggestion. Yeah. I mean, Barack Obama was excellent at yeah, using yeah. hypnosis. Change we can. What on earth does that mean? <laughs> all right. Change we can. Who's we? Mm. What do you mean by change? And it's all around vague ambiguity. Mm. So they're using these politicians, these orators. I mean, I've written a review of the work of George Estabrooks, who was hired by the CIA to investigate the work of orators like Adolf Hitler. Right. Okay, all those years ago, to see if there was some technique or strategy they were using. Yeah, and they were using language that mm. was vague, ambiguous, which induces hypnotic states. They're hypnotizing people. Yeah. And we human beings are extremely suggestible. Mm. Now, that's where on rapport comes from. Mm-hmm. Because when you can get someone's mind quietened, you can make suggestions that can influence people. That's why we see stage shows, people clucking like a chicken mm. or drinking a pint of vinegar thinking it's a Coke or eating an onion thinking it's a beautiful peach and juicy. Mm. And they seem to think that it's real. Yeah. Because what's happened is all they've done is they've moved their critical faculty, their logic and reasoning out the way, and then slid in suggestions. Now, not everybody accepts suggestions. Mm-hmm. But if it's harmless, mm. imagining eating an onion, imagining it's a peach on stage, if that person's um, way of living their lives go, oh, that would be all right, mm-hmm. they'd probably play it out on play, stage. Yeah, yeah. So we're always influencing each other yeah. with language, with our emotional state. Um, we're all in walking around in an ordered state of consciousness with mm. our eyes open. It's a trance-like state. Yeah, it's yeah. called a daydream. Mm. Um, I see it in Tesco's every day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people get around to the butter yeah. and the bread counter and they're looking up and down for their butter and it's right in front of their face and they can't even see it. Yeah, yeah. They're in a trance, they yeah. forgot. Uh. So for me, 
if people can see that number one they've already got friends mm. number two yeah you can wherever wherever there's a problem there's a human being and thinking mm. and whatever the niche is if your thin slice of expertise is working in a particular niche just talk from your own understanding and in that in of itself is authentic and will yeah. act as a way of connecting yeah which we would call rapport yeah yeah it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm kind of seeing parallels in, in the sense of that rapport if if you kind of know who you, who who you're targeting who you're speaking to understanding the person you can like you said put suggestion in there and influence them to a certain degree but you could do the opposite by not having the rapport or not falling like connecting with their values or something you could push them away as well well right? yeah, look at the logic in that yeah the logic in that is if you're trying to engage a client uh, a new client and you're losing rapport then you've influenced them in some way to mm. not do business with you mm-hmm. right yeah yep. as much as maybe influencing someone to do business well what is influence mm. For me, it's um, it's such a big subject. I mean, we, the work of Child uh, Genie, mm-hmm. um, getting to yes. Mm. Um, I, I used to teach sales and worked in that industry for you know one of my first um, mentors was a guy called Peter Cobb. Right. Um, most people watching this would never have heard of Peter. He's retired a long time ago. He was the MD of Apple. Mm in the 80s right and he was my mentor he left apple and set up a a, a software house okay and i was the, one of the directors there a vp of sales he was there at the journey and i used to learn a lot of things about influence from him and selling but it's the psychology mm. it really is a psychology and talking about what you understand you talked about grounding mm-hmm. earlier for me grounding is just another when you're grounded it's just another word for you're talking from what you know. Mm. And there's another problem for a lot of people that who try to be generalists. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a generalist when really niching would be useful for them because that's their thin slice of expertise. Yeah. They understand the language. They, they understand the market. They understand, you know, their own understanding of what it is that they're experts in in that yeah. market. So an accountant training to become a coach would be better off coaching accounts yeah 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 purely because he can be or that individual will be more authentic, authentic than yep. someone who's trying to use the same language as the accountants because they read a book and went on their website yeah. and go oh yes i understand what you mean balance sheets mm. do you really because i don't mm-hmm. so i wouldn't try and talk from from an area that i don't understand and yeah. a lot of people do that innocently thinking that they need to do that to get rapport it's almost mm-hmm. like oh i need to say that i understand rugby yeah or football. Yep. I go out my friends, they talk about football. I don't talk about football because <laughs> I guarantee I'll break rapport with all of them. Because yeah. they'd yep. say, you know, you're talking out of your backside, Dave. Yeah. You really don't know what you're talking about. So you're being authentic is another key thing then in, in this whole kind of rapport. I think it's the process. most important thing. Yeah. Yep. You can get rapport with techniques, but that's sort of like, uh, you'll get found out very quickly. Mm. And you don't need techniques for rapport if you can see that a you got friends so you must have the skills already yeah b if you understand your own psychology and where your experience comes from and virginia satir 
Okay, I'll mention her name. She was one of the greatest family therapists to have lived back in the 70s. She was modelled by the um, co-creators uh, of NLP, the three of them, mm. Frank, Richard Bandler and John Grinder, Frank yep. Petulik. And uh, the three of those individuals, they, they modelled her language patterns and her work. And one of them asked her a question. I'm not sure which one. Mm -hmm. Was Virginia Satir, when, you know, when do you use your rapport skills? We've noticed you do certain things when you're in rapport. She says, oh, I probably only do those things. Because she didn't even know she was doing it. It was all right. unconscious. Yeah. It was just unconscious competence. She was good at it. And her response was, oh, I only use... I sort of do those things when I f have a feeling that I'm not getting on with uh, someone. Okay. So actually, my advice would be forget about rapport, mm. get in a good feeling. And whenever you take that good feeling to any relationship, yeah, it'll bring out a good feeling in the other person. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to think about how to do it because mm. you already know how. The minute we get a layer of extra thinking and insecurity, oh, I don't know how to get in rapport with the MD. I've never met him before. Mm. What do I need to do? Be you. Be you. Show up. Be authentic and just talk to that person as if they were a friend of yours down the pub mm. or in the bar or in the coffee shop or wherever you meet your friends. Yeah. A collegial conversation with another person as opposed to a one up, one down. Because mm. a lot of people put themselves down. Mm. They go, oh, you know. I see it sometimes with my students innocently. Oh, Dave, you're the master trainer and I'm, I'm just a lowly mm. lay person who's just starting out learning coaching with right, me. Right, right. I'm like, no, you're the same as me. You're another human being, flesh, bones, blood. You have different experiences of life to me. And my thin slice of expertise is to point out that you can already have rapport. Mm. You already know your subject matter. You can talk from your grounding. The only reason we break rapport is invariably when the ego kicks in. Mm -hmm. And the ego goes, oh, I need to impress. Yeah. I better talk about this. Oops, I don't really understand this. Now I've lost rapport. Mm. Stay in your grounding. In other words, stay in that, that area of expertise that you know for you. And you'll never go wrong because mm. yeah. people can smell a rat. Yeah, yeah. Because that's very important to the whole kind of topic of trust. Because yeah. if that trust is there and somebody trusts you, you, you know, there's more yeah. that synergistic dance that you were talking about. That's and the it. rapport just gets deeper and stronger. Yeah. Uh, talk about deeper and stronger. I mean, one of the things you, you do in hypnosis is, is that deep rapport kind of stuff when mm. you go down with the person and really connect yeah. on a deeper level. Yeah. You want to talk about, a bit about that? Or? Yeah, I mean, it was quite funny. If you were to learn rapport from body language courses, I mean, I trained with Alan Pease from Australia in, in the 1990s. In 1993, oh my word, that's nearly 25 years ago, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he wrote Body Language. Right. He also wrote a book called Why Men Don't Listen right and women can't read maps that was the title of his book and i met his wife barbara Pease, and they talk very much about crossing arms that's someone's defensive well yeah. i can tell you that's not true mm. not in my world mm -hmm. it's a generalization right someone's um sort of talking like this you know, they're hiding something mm. um someone sitting like this they think they're more confident than you or they have one up on you i mean there were a lot of generalization right. they may or may not be true but i'm that's not my area of expertise 
But for me, if everybody watching this cross their arms and just continue to listen to what they say, they're not being resistant. Mm. They might be cold. Mm. So a lot of that information is misinformation that right. people take on board. They apply it and then they go down a rabbit hole and then and they go, oh, it doesn't work. And they think there's something wrong with themselves. Mm. There's nothing wrong with anybody watching yeah, yeah. these videos. Yeah. If they're not connected with some, it's just that they're not in a good feeling. Mm. I'll give you an example where a, a universal experience that probably people can relate to. I mean, when I was a young man, many years ago, I'd like to think I'm still young now, but Absolutely. When, when I was in my teens, uh, just left home at 17, 18, and I was single. So I used to go to nightclubs mm -hmm. and go to parties. Mm. And I always wanted to meet a girl. Uh, and when I got in a bad feeling and, and got all insecure, oh, they might, they might say no. If I mm. ever took that insecure feeling up to the bar to meet somebody, a pretty girl that I saw, and I went in there and I went over with that insecure feeling, then you know what would happen? Mm. They would Trouble. run away. <laughs> they would run a mile. Okay. Yeah. So for me, the feeling is key. Mm. Get in a good feeling. Yeah. And you won't repel people because it's almost like um, if I use this as an example and your phone as an example, like, the, you know, the magnets that yeah. draw each other when we were at school, yeah, yeah. poles, po yep. positive and negative. And if you had the, the polarities in the right order, it would suck yeah. in the magnet and they would stick and you'd think it was really cool. Now, yeah. as a kid, I used to turn the magnet around, <laughs> turn it around and I'd go near the thing and it would push, push it away. away. Well, that's an invisible energy mm. that you can't see. It's like a magnetic force and it's pushing the, mm. the, the, the other magnet away. Well, I think if two human beings are in a good energy, it's like they suck mm. together and they create that oneness of being in rapport. But if one person's not in a good feeling and the other one is, it can almost like repel them. Repel them, yeah. So how do you bring a good feeling into your work, mm. into your... Um, uh, into your marketing is to understand that and see it play out yeah and and it's and notice it and observe it so for example you talk about i was talking about hypnosis and on rapport it's my cat <laughs> hey so we're talking about hypnosis and in um, being in rapport what some really cool things to observe uh, for people who study with me is that when two people go into a trance mm -hmm. Let's say I was inducing a trance and you were relaxing and sinking into the chair and, you're, yeah. and you were there and we were doing some hypnosis. Invariably, body language matches and mirrors mm. when the person's got their eyes closed. So the amount right. of times that we've been doing demonstrations and the person's been like this, sleep, and I've crossed my legs and the person while they're asleep has crossed their legs. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, it's just like there's a, what I call an unconscious to unconscious rapport. Right. I can't prove it. Mm -hmm. It's the edge of my understanding. Yeah. Even though my thin slice of expertise is a master train of hypnosis, it seems that we connect at an unconscious level. Mm. And the way, a universal experience that maybe people watching this have had is when they're in a deep conversation with a friend mm -hmm. and that friend goes to say something and you go... I knew you were going to yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, how do you know? Yeah. Where yeah. does that come from? There is something happening at an That's unconscious right. level. That's what I believe. Don't know if it's true, but I've got loads and loads of anecdotal yeah. stories of where that's played out. Yeah, yeah. Even all the way back to one of our forefathers in hypnosis, Milton Erickson. Yeah. And Milton Erickson was paralyzed. 
um, and when he was a kid and he was in a wheelchair he got over his poliomyelitis and then he relapsed later on in life and he was in a wheelchair so he couldn't cross his legs and match a mirror mm. and yet we learned so much from that guy in terms yeah. of rapport yeah he had a deep connection with all his clients and that was because he didn't have a lot of thinking mm. he was in the trance most of the yeah. time so he listened to wisdom he was able to feel someone's Mm. insecurities and anxieties and was able to talk to them in a way that helped them start to see that it was all made up mm. it was just thought that's interesting uh, I actually remember one of those examples when I was doing a hypnosis course with, with a, a, a colleague and um, I remember um, we were all sitting down I think somebody sneezed and all of a sudden somebody coughed and sneezed and it just yeah. rippled through Absolutely. somebody was twisting on the chair and it just rippled through yeah. Yeah. that's that's really interesting and that, and that kind of links up to with uh, maybe on some subconscious level kind of thing is how, how we're showing up in the world as well or what we're doing um, which we pick up on consciously and unconsciously in a way that has mm. an effect mm. on a group report, right? I mean, you must have seen it enough time when you got one too many kind of situation. Yeah, well, I teach group rapport in our presentation training as part of our hypnosis trainers training. If you're going to become a hypnosis trainer, you'll be standing on stage. You need to have rapport with your mm. audience. Otherwise, you're not going to manifest any hypnotic mm. phenomena. It's like, hands up who wants to come on stage. <laughs> it's going to be a pretty boring show, right? Mm. So in order to have people decide they want to come on stage, you've got to help them get rid of all those insecurities, those myths yeah. that they already have before they go, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Mm. Well, in order for people to put their hands up in a group, you want to have group rapport. Now, mm. there are strategies for doing that. Mm. But again, being authentic yeah. is, a, is probably the easiest way. Yeah. But what we're looking for in, in a large audience, if there were, say, 500 or 1,000 people in the room, I would be in peripheral vision, mm. which helps me have less thinking. It's mm. what I teach golfers. All right. Yeah, peripheral vision seems to quieten the internal dialogue. Mm. Okay. Interesting, yeah, yeah. And when we're on stage, we call it a learning state. Okay. And what happens when you're in peripheral vision, it's a bit like driving your car down the mm. motorway and overtaking someone. Yeah. I don't know if you've had this experience mm. of overtaking someone and you get a sense they're looking at you. Have you ever <laughs> yeah, had yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you look at them and then, and then they look at you and yet they're looking out the window and you go, oh my God, I must be a Jedi Knight. You know, <laughs> I made them look at me as I looked at them. All that's happened is they mm. picked you up in their peripheral vision. They've noticed a little bit of movement. Yeah. And they looked because they you moved mm. your head moved and mm -hmm. they picked it up even at 70 miles an hour yeah. that's why when we're driving if we're in peripheral vision we can't remember sometimes the last mile we've driven mm. we've been in a that's trance true. okay that's true, yeah so how does that translate into group rapport well when we're in peripheral vision on the stage we can see movement mm. and you tend to find that people who are getting on with people they tend to mirror and match their body language mm. Not doing it on purpose. If you went down to your local restaurant and you saw people getting on, someone would pick up a drink and then three other people would do it simultaneously. Yeah. That seems to be the human condition. Mm. We seem to mimic each other. Yeah. When we, when we feel comfortable, when we're getting on, you see it in the monkeys world, yeah, in the monkey yeah. world. Yeah. So it's how we learn. It's how children learn to walk. They mimic their parents. Yeah. And they mimic language. In fact, sometimes I say things that I shouldn't say in front of my children. Occasionally, I'll, I slip out a, an expletive when I shouldn't do. And then they're copying me. <laughs> yeah. Oops. So they're modeling. Yeah. yeah. So rapport is almost like people seem to like people that mm. are like themselves. Mm. And in a group context, 
if there's movement, it's like a pebble in the pond. A mm. thousand people, you might have 10 or 20 rapport leaders in that whole group. Mm. You can't match and mirror everyone's physiology. Right, yeah. It would yeah. take you a thousand minutes mm. to get rapport. And then by the time you got to the thousands person, you broke rapport with the first one. So how would you get group rapport? So what I teach is to look for the ripple. Mm. And then notice where it's emanating from. Right. Like a pebble in a pond. Yeah. And you tend to find wherever the movement is rippling. So if you've got a cluster of 20 people over there who are all sort of scratching their head, like we just moved then at yeah, the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then that's a sign somewhere in that cluster there's a rapport leader. Mm. And if you use your observation skills really closely, you'll see that someone might go like that and then three people will follow the person who did it first. Right. So you you get into rapport with that person mm. and it's almost like you pass the rapport to the cluster that they're with. Yeah, yeah. That's the best that I can do to explain you. People that have to do the training and spend yeah. a lot of time. I mean, we spend a lot of time presenting in front of groups to yeah. get, get aware of that, to have a shift in consciousness, to have a shift in understanding, so that when we're on stage, it's like, oh, that's how group rapport works. Mm. So yeah. the likes of Tony Robbins, who yeah, I yeah. spent a lot of time training with in the sort of early 90s, that's what he does. Mm. Group rapport. Group people go to his events and most people have a good feeling. Yeah. And they go, oh, he's an amazing guy. It's because he has group rapport with you and he just paces the people that are the rapport leaders. It's like some sort of invisible energy. But it is. Synchronicity kind of thing going on. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, how do people match body language when they've got their eyes closed? Yeah. I mean, that's bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a phenomenon. It's a hypnotic phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. So that would be for me. Yeah. The translation into group rapport. Interesting. I'm mean, talking about group rapport, and then I just want to talk a bit about the kind of uh, digital side of things as well, because yeah. I know you had a, quite a lot of successes in that field yeah. as well. I remember speaking to Marilyn in one of the interviews as well, and we were talking about how she was saying that sometimes just seeing the text written on a page and seeing the person's picture can kind of create this kind of rapport thing going on digitally, mm. right? What's your, from your experience, when you've Obviously, having um, a product out there that you've sold on the internet mm. where you don't really know who's in front of you, right? So you don't know them, you've never seen yeah. them, but yet you've sold these products. Yeah. You know, um, in some way, there's some sort of digital report going on there, yeah, right? There in some is. way. So yeah. what, what was your kind of experience and thoughts around that? When I started my journey three decades ago, I went on the NLP training because I wanted to connect um, more closely with those difficult clients. I wanted to be a better manager, improve my communication skills. And I really was sort of self-taught mm -hmm. up until that point uh, when it came to business. So I went on this course and then continued the journey and here I am teaching. But part of that journey is I did a master practitioner training, which is uh, uh, the, the next level up from the, what we call practitioner, coach practitioner, yeah. practitioner of hypnosis. And I wanted to get to the next level. So I went on this course and part of our training was an assignment. We had to do modeling. Okay. And we had to effectively model someone with a skill and that we wanted to take on board. So we had three people that we modeled. One of them was my mother, <laughs> who came along to the training. She plays bridge for a living. Um, she now teaches. She's, uh, she's in her late 70s, but um, she's most excellent at remembering cards. Mm -hmm. And on my master practice, there was a few of us guys and we played like, poker for fun. Right. Yeah, on the weekends with our friends. And we said, wouldn't it be great if we could learn to count cards. Mm. 
and then get it was just like a little bit of imagination it would be great if we could break the casinos in london by counting all the cars and i went well my mother's really good at remembering cards so she came down we modeled her memory strategy we also modeled a lady who was a screenwriter and then so oh it was just like fortuitous for me um, to have a DJ come along because I used to DJ when I was a teenager right. and early 20s in nightclubs and I loved it and we had David Hamilton come okay. down now David Hamilton for those who are watching you might not remember him but he was a DJ that was on Radio 1 in the UK and then Radio 2 he's a very successful businessman mm -hmm. and we were modeling some of his business strategies how does he decide which product to dis pick if he could only pick one and how does he you know what's that process for for choosing and making business decisions that seems to have supported him over the years in yep. terms of his business success i wasn't interested in that right i was interested in his dj because <laughs> i had a problem and my problem was this if i stood on stage at a business conference on behalf of the company i worked for this was before i became a teacher mm -hmm. and set up my own business all those years ago i'd be physically ill right i was so nervous and scared mm -hmm. of presenting to large groups that i'd actually have my head down the toilet and i won't go into any detail but you can imagine what it is i mean it's like let's not go there and i wanted to learn a strategy for not being nervous right um so i asked david hamilton i said David, can I ask you a question that's totally not related to business? It's to do with your time on the radio. He mm. said, sure, far away. He was a lovely guy. I said, how is it that you can speak to 2 million people or 10 million people on listening into Radio 1 every morning or Radio 2 every morning when yeah. you, and not get nervous? Because mm. I asked him, are you nervous? And he said, no, I don't get nervous. Right. I said, how can you not do that? 2 right, million right. people? Yeah. And here's what he said and changed everything for me. He went... Well, I don't imagine I'm talking to two million people. Mm. I said, what do you mean? You are talking to two million people. He said, yeah, I know I'm talking to two million people between eight and nine o'clock on a yeah. Monday morning, rush hour. But that's not what's in my head. That's not what's inside. Yeah, yeah. So I said, what's inside your head? He went, oh, it's really simple. When I'm talking to the camera, I'm imagining I'm talking to a good friend. Mm. Just a friend down the pub that I'm having a chat with. And when I tell a joke... I imagine my friend laughing. Mm. <laughs> it's like, really? Is it that simple? Yeah. So I took that strategy, which was just a concept, a thought, and I tried on that thought. So when I brought out my products online yeah. and via Groupon and, and sent them around the world, I realized that it's just one person watching the video at home on their own or on the train on their iPhone yeah. and there's nothing to be concerned about mm. so there's going to be people people watching it go oh I don't like this and there's people that do but I'll never get to see them yeah, yeah. and when you get over that insecurity and worry about people liking your stuff mm -hmm. you'll be more authentic you'll show up and you'll bring a different feeling to the table right right yeah that yeah. would be my final I think yeah um because you probably got gathered already. I could probably talk for another 40 days. <laughs> no, we're cool. We're cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> nah, that's really cool. I mean, just, just a little bit more on, on, on the sure. online side of stuff. And then, do you know when you went about creating your product online? Mm. I mean, you had done all the stuff kind of teaching anyway, but then yeah. you thought, all right, I'm going to go online yeah, with this thing, right? It, yeah. Did you do like target research or put put the sales pages as copy in a certain way or any structure to that or what? Yeah, that's a really good question. Go about doing that side of it. Well, you know, 
I, for years, was sitting on the fence watching the people that I perceived to be thought leaders in this field. Mm -hmm. Frank Kern, mm -hmm. Ryan Dice, yep. now Gary Vaynerchuk. Yep. I love his work. Mm. I'm getting. I'm actually doing his course now. I've got it with you, Edemy. Right, right. Gary Vaynerchuk. So, my advice to people is, consume the the content of the experts that you look up to, the models, follow in their footsteps, hang out with the experts mm. online, watch what they do. I sat on the fence for five years before I got off the fence right. and decided to do what I, yeah. I do now. I brought it out online because I got the logic. I was looking at what these other people were doing and saying, mm. how are they doing so well? And the, my model was upside down. I was trading time for money. Mm. So... I'll give an example. A one-to-one -one coaching with me right now might be in the thousands of pounds, depending on the presenting problem, for an hour or two mm -hmm. in my time. Mm. But for 50 quid a month, I could work with 500 people mm. and make 300,000 pounds for 12 hours work. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's a totally different model. It's like, mm. how can you do that? Well, think of it logic. If you... There are people out there that will pay for your high price premium product, but I never saw the logic of working with many because I thought, how can I add value? Mm. Well, we're doing that now. We're giving value mm -hmm. to the people watching this. So you can do uh, provide valuable information, education, content, group coaching to a, a larger audience, and there's only one of you. Mm. And I saw the logic. Yeah. So we hired a, a, a new MD. And he came and he went, your first goal is to have, on a trial, 50 members paying £50 a month yeah. for your group coaching. Right. People will pay 50 quid to hang out with me for an hour and a half. Right. As opposed to maybe £5,000 is what some people pay. And I was like, right, okay. But 50 people, that's that's 200 and, or whatever, two and a half, that, it's like less than we would charge per day for the business. He said, yeah, but when you scale it over 12 months and you do 12 sessions, 12 group coaching sessions, 50 people as a trial is 30,000 pounds worth of revenue. Mm. I'm like, seriously? Mm. I never did the math. I never really looked at the detail. The next, to answer, but to go full circle to answer your question, have we done our research on that? Yeah, we asked a few people, but you know, how many people would be interested in this? And you know, 80% of people we asked put their hands up. Mm -hmm. But previously to that, I went with a feeling. Right. I know there's a lot of things going on in the world, so you must research your market. Mm. Well, ask questions of your, your customers. Mm. Um, but I went with a feeling. Right, right. As much as I did with my G-Pot, you know, that yeah, G-Pot yeah, invention. Yeah. I just go with a feeling and I'm guided that way. Right. And I just trust it. And some of them don't work out. Mm, mm. But, yeah. but we're in a game of work right mm -hmm. game of digital marketing it's just a game and if people can also back off and go it's not real life mm. it's a game and I can make up my own rules but there's other people that have been here before me yeah. to, to save learning through the school of hard knocks Yeah. learn from the people that have Done, done, done uh, based on modeling, right? Been the there course. and done it. Exactly, yeah, exactly. It. So it's good to research, find what the experts are doing, see what they're doing, try to model it. Yeah. It's just co copy them in a way, right? <laughs> well, yeah, modeling is copying. It's yeah. sort of like the model that we have, it works. Yeah. It's been working for five years, but things change. So now we're doing a group membership program because actually it's in a more powerful model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's for people to discover for themselves. 
But the only thing that stops people performing, whether it be getting into a pool mm. or bringing out new products, is too much thinking and insecure feelings that are being generated via mm. that gift that they have is to use their thinking in any way they like. Yeah. So they can imagine it all being terrible. Mm. Well, they can just imagine it working out. Now, not being deluded, mm. you still need skills, you, need, you still right. need content. Yeah. And I think content needs to be outstanding yeah. to differentiate yourself from the people who are recording in their bedroom. Sure. You know, sure. good lights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Understand, you know, editing. So yeah. I don't do editing. So mm -hmm. I have to give it to someone like yourself or we've got other editors as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So um, just, just to summarize on it from what I'm sure. getting from, from the whole kind of rapport side of stuff is like one, one of the first kind of things seems to be about presence, getting, the, the creating the space for something to open up, being present. Listening yeah. is a key element yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, so the the listening then creates like a trust and being authentic mm. is another element of it. I suppose you could say modeling as well because the whole kind of matching thing is modeling in a way as well, right? Um, yeah, but I don't think you have to even think about it. That's just the symptom. That's the output that, of okay. good rapport. Yeah. It's like if you're in good rapport, you'll naturally yeah. uh, be mirroring and matching at an unconscious level. It's yeah. just That's just what happens when people are in rapport, yeah. right? Yeah. But if you try and frig it mm. and it's not authentic, yeah. then actually it will break rapport. And you go, hold on, I'm doing all this matching and mirroring and I haven't got rapport. It's like, yeah, because you're in your head and you're yeah. thinking too much about it. Yep. Rapport is just a natural state. Yeah. I think we all look at kids, they get on just like that. Yeah, yeah. Because they haven't Absolutely. got too much thinking. Oh, you know, my daughter wears glasses. She's six. She's yeah. just started getting thinking about her glasses. Yeah, yeah. And starting to think, oh, what people think with me with glasses. I, there's only two kids in my class, Daddy. Yeah. But for the first five years of her life, she got on with everyone and didn't think twice about, about the glasses yeah. she wore. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So get out of your own way. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Be authentic. And the other thing is the research. You talk about trust. Yeah. And Professor Morabian did some research and said that when we're communicating, the biggest portion of our communication are our vocal qualities that we have mm -hmm. and our physiology. Right. And the words account for only 7% of all of our communication. Mm -hmm. okay? Yeah, yeah. Well, if the words only account for 7% of all of our communication and 93% is nonverbal, we need to get into a good feeling. Mm when we're with people because if we're not in a good feeling it'll come out in our tics and insecurities and mm -hmm. shifting and face color will go red and blah 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 so it's a major part of our communication mm. rapport is the non-verbal stuff yeah it's like Bruce he said don't think feel yeah absolutely <laughs> and he also said if you've got too much thinking going on in your mind, you need to empty your thinking mm. in, the t in the metaphor of if there's too much tea in your teacup, you That's need right. to empty your teacup. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if we finished on that metaphor, anyone who's thinking too much, who's got too much tea in their teacup, they need to empty their teacup yeah. and they'll be more authentic than they could possibly imagine. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's brilliant. So, David, if um, the viewers want to get in touch with you or find out sure. more about you, just let them know. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, so if you're watching this and you want to find out more about what it is we do and how we help people from a, an eclectic mix of trainings and courses, then go to davidkey, as in doorkey.com. So that's davidkey.com. Blog, sign up to our blog. There's some free training on there where I talk about the principal 
principles behind all transformation and change and we have blogs on rapport and other things too mm. and lots of free giveaways and we're starting our own v-blogging in this chair next week so nice. uh, we'll be providing lots of free content they just got to put their name and email address in so. awesome great uh, david thank you very much for You're your time welcome. really appreciate welcome. it it's beautiful and uh, hope you guys enjoyed that and um, see you again soon thank you very much thank you for listening to the digital rapport podcast if you have any questions or would like to find out more about what I'm up to, then make your way over to www.digital-report.com where you can find out how to turn your skills and knowledge into a profitable authority business online.